the people you love, play five songs they love and tell you why. If you came of age in the 2010s, the sound of Hayley Mary's voice would have been a tonic. As the lead singer of the Jezebels, she soared over big, dramatic pop songs and drew a dedicated fan base from all over Australia. In early 2020, Hayley stepped out on her own with a debut solo EP, and while the sound of it showed another side of her, one thing remained the same. That voice. Always cutting through. Always lifting us up when we needed it the most. Carving out blocks of time is a tried and true way to take a snapshot on how far we've come. And so for Haley's Take 5, I wanted her to look back to the last 10 years and share her women of the decade across five songs. I've always loved talking music with Haley, but I didn't realise just how perfect this theme was for her or how much her own perspective had shifted. We'll get to that in just a moment, but let's live in the here and now first, when Haley Mary told me what compelled her to write this song like a woman should. Well, compelled is the right word. I, I'm not really a songwriter that like sits down and goes, I'm going to write a song about this and then I construct this thing around it. It kind of just comes out in a bit of a sort of intangible rambling and then I put words to it. So I think I had had a little bit of wine at this stage <laughs> and I was living in Edinburgh at the time and I was just like really quite lonely and bored because my partner was away a lot on tour and I was like just got a little bit pissed and started writing a song and this melody came out and it sounded like I was singing like a woman should in the demo when I listened to it the next day sober and I was like that's a cool line <laughs> retrospectively <laughs> so a work of genius <laughs> a debatable there but yeah definitely retrospectively <laughs> um constructed and then yeah I suppose maybe it became what does that mean to me and maybe I kind of turned it into a song about confidence, which I think is going to be a bit of a recurring theme today in my take five, okay. actually. Um, yeah, it's it, it became to me about a song about like um, an internal sort of struggle to be as confident as I would like to be, which is a daily struggle um, to, to walk the street like a woman should. I think it's been taken as other things, which I'm happy for it to be taken as more of a general social commentary about safety. And that's, you know what, people can make of it what they want. And I can totally see that angle on it. But um, yeah, it was a, more of a personal sort of desire to live my best life, I think, that I was expressing in that song. sort of searching through while you're writing a song where you want to go with it like when you start yeah 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 kind of definitely f- finding out the the answers to the questions that you're asking within the process of writing it. yeah it's also almost a self-indulgent process of self self-therapy I suppose you you can push a song as to a certain level like maybe put a line in there that goes a little bit too far and you go all right that's somewhere I don't like and I guess your your taste tinglers kind of go off and go nope that's a bit cringe or that's a bit well, that makes me feel 
uncertain. I like that. And yeah, you just kind of feel it out as you go. And I take a long time to write songs. So, But also even that instant reaction that you have and the self-awareness that you have that it's not quite right is pretty amazing. Have you always had that? Yeah, I get – yeah. I suppose – um. Yes, I have, and but sometimes I've ignored it because I've thought that other people might think it was good and it's often tended to be a mistake. So I think I'm getting better at, at writing in the sense that I'm getting better at listening to those things. Well, you've it's almost a- like a metaphor for life, really. You should follow your gut. It's true, seriously. <laughs> and I feel as though these conversations that we have, and particularly with an artist like you who's had many years of songwriting under your belt as the front woman and songwriter with the Jezebels and, of course, now going solo for the first time, um, you get better at paying attention to your gut, don't you? You do. You do. It can be dangerous to not pay attention to your gut in, in both literal and metaphorical ways. And so, yeah, I think that's where the confidence comes in is – being confident enough to think my gut feeling's good enough here and not go, oh, what what's on trend now or what should I be doing or what do people think I should be doing kind of thing. Swinging in the backyard, pull up in your fast car, whistling my name. Open up a beer and you say get over here and play a video game. We're beginning with a woman who arguably has owned the last 10 years. Lana Del Rey, Video Games, Yeah, the first song that we heard from her. Why did you choose this tune? So many reasons. I'll start with when I first heard it, my boyfriend at the time, who I clashed with immensely on musical taste. And I often found that was a recurring theme in my life with guys that I liked, is that like they often didn't like things and my reasoning for it was that they were too feminine sometimes and I think that that's kind of dying away these days and men don't really go oh I don't listen to girl singers anymore that's not really something you hear but you did used to hear it and um he loved this song and he was like have you heard this song and I was like wow you like this total pop diva which is like totally my world and something about the way it crossed over for us both in what I felt were aesthetically opposing views fascinated me and I think the whole world was fascinated by her. Um, And it's just obviously craft-wise a brilliant song but there's also sort of this this tender sort of love of this man but then she's sort of taking the piss out of him at the same time and I just – it's it's so multi-layered as a song that I suppose I loved it but then at the same time I think why I picked this song – was her SNL performance. Ladies and gentlemen, Lana Del Rey. That caused such criticism of her because she was new and to be fair, like nothing really takes the place of experience when it comes to playing live and getting in front of the world. And I could feel how that felt when she sang and she was nervous and she was choking a bit and she Mm. was losing her words and she wasn't really nailing it. And I was like... I know exactly how this feels and it's horrible, but I've never done it on SNL. Yeah. And wow, to kind of fail in front of the world, what a feeling. And then she came back and was Lana Del Rey. And I find that so inspiring. I was just like, yes, like failing is good. Failing, sucking in front of people is really good for you. So, yeah, I think... 
That's why I chose it. The scrutiny on her, though, has been remarkable. And I know that it's kind of chilling out now, particularly with this last record, Norman yeah. F. and Rockwell. It's, people have stopped talking about this um, idea of who is the real or fake Lana Del Rey and using her name, Lizzie Grant, like it's some sort of slur. I feel like all performance, rock and roll, R&B, rap, any genre, it's all a performance. We all put on a coat, don't we, when we stand up on stage for those who do it. So this unfair scrutiny on her for, you know, this idea that she's playing a role was just bullshit, but she had to live with it for so long. That has been, I think that has been a kind of an age old trope of like the idea of authenticity being superior and pretense being false. And sometimes that's why people feel like, your rock and roll is more real and and pop is fake and somehow inferior. But, yeah, that's why I think she nailed the coat so well that people wanted to take her down. Plus I think she was, like, rich and all these things that people are jealous of. So it's like it was easy. It was very easy to criticise her. I probably criticised her myself at first because I was jealous or something. I definitely did. I look back (laughs) at some of the things I thought and I'm like, wow, there's some internalised misogyny there, Zan. Oh, totally. And, And you know what? Her role, her, her playing with nostalgia, I actually don't really like the word problematic but because it's so overused. But at first I was like, because nostalgia is a really interesting thing. It's kind of rose-coloured glasses on a time when for most people it was actually worse, way worse, the past. And <laughs> it was terrible. <laughs> Good point. We forget about that. We, we love nostalgia, but like as an aesthetic, but like it was so bad then. And the 50s sucked and the 80s sucked, like, you know, for women in particular. But we love to look back at the best parts of it. But I saw an interview that she was talking about video games, about writing about this man that she loved at the time that inspired that song and and that whole era of her career I think it was what was it born to die was like she knew that it had to die and she needed to go on and video games is this sentiment of going like I love you and I'm gonna sit down and like give up everything and just watch you play video games because I'm so in love but the bitterness in there and you can hear it going but I need to do something else very soon and you can go play your fucking video games and it was all there And so the nostalgia is her going like, that was so beautiful and inspiring to me and I will always respect and have a place for that past and that romantic past. But but it's not the future and and the fact that she's so self-aware about the nostalgia and so overt, I think, makes it less dangerous as as a nostalgia kind of thing. Do you know what I mean? It's not really glorifying the past. It's saying that's over there and it's so... It's a coat. Yeah. It's fake. Yeah. She's not actually pretending. She, she's, she doesn't actually think she's from the 50s. She wants you to know she's pretending. Sorry, I sat back. <laughs> she wants you to know she's pretending that she's from the 50s. Uh, I think she's a genius. And um, most of my favourite artists were pretenders, like Bowie and Freddie Mercury, and, you know, they don't seem to attract as much criticism. So they pre- maybe they did at the time from homophobes but yeah I think yeah she's a genius heaven is a place on earth with you tell me all the things you want to do I heard that you like the bad girls honey is that true it's better than I ever even knew they say that the world was built
This next song is Solange Losing You. I still remember when I heard this song and I'd forgotten about Solange being that teenage R&B pop star. And right. all of a sudden, she was always like Beyonce's little sister and then she popped out and was like, what is this? I didn't even know of her until this song. This was her, you, the true yeah, breakthrough for you. this was my introduction to her. And I didn't know it was Beyonce's sister. Right. And part of me doesn't want to even mention that it's Beyonce's sister because I know she must get that a lot. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, Sorry, I, I purposefully didn't include Beyonce or Taylor Swift in my uh, Women of the Decade because that's obvious. And uh, there's so many women of this decade. In fact, this is probably one of the first times it's like, it's overwhelming to pick this list. Who in the world? Girls, girls. Like, it, there's so many options. There's a million that I actually am putting together a Spotify playlist because five is not enough. I love it. Yeah. All right, watch this space. And we'll also say it's not a definitive list. This no, is of course five, not. five of the women of the decade that you are tip a cap to. But why Solange and Losing You? What Do you remember when you first heard this song? I, do, I was making the music video for Look of Love, one of our songs, I think. I think that's when it was. I might be blurring memories together but I remember hearing it and instantly feeling good and I didn't really give it much thought because it's a, it's a very repetitive pop song and sometimes you might have the illusion that that's a shallow thing but you just feel good and you put it on at parties and then I realized like the other day when I put it on in my DJ set that I play it every time I DJ and everyone always still likes it and I was like this song's really very good isn't mm. it like it's it's quite timeless and it's instantly feel good, but it's so sad and I feel like crying every time I hear it. And it sort of sums up to me something I value very highly in pop is the happy sad. It's a, it's a beautiful, um, what's the word, commodity that's very hard to mine because you have to have a, a complex range of experience in your life and the right time and the right place and the right collaboration to nail the happy sad. And I think Solange wrote this with her partner who she was saying was like, just you know you write as particularly the solo artist which I'm learning you write with a lot of people and you're always like <laughs> what's the, I was going to use a really bad word there you're sort of sleeping around a bit and sometimes <laughs> the sex Dabbling. is meaningless <laughs> <laughs> I'm loving this analogy and, and you oh yeah thanks really nice to meet you and it's like you know it's 2020 now so it's fine <laughs> but like it's not you don't want to put that on your record you know (laughs) so I think she said that something happened with this and I loved this man and he started making these beats and I just felt so much and I was so inspired lyrically and I was so inspired melodically and it's a really simple song but it's just so timeless like that lying awake there in a relationship going like 
are we falling out of love or are you falling out of love with me? It's a horrible feeling. And it's just like straight up, tell me the truth, boy, am I losing you for good? And it's just like, yeah, that's a perfect song. And so I think also it draws on a lot of the things I loved, which I didn't realise she was doing also, which is the 80s. Mm. 80s pop, divas like Whitney Houston, Cindy Lauper, all that stuff in there but in a really contemporary sort of warm um, production and yeah so she just nails that that happy sad happens a lot in the 80s and also really good she makes a point in an interview I watched once that yeah the pop the pop of the 80s was like complex and really well written and really like it's not as repetitive as you think and there is the illusion that it's simple but underneath the reason you like it is something you haven't really thought about and I had to think about it when I chose it for this I was like why why do I like that song it's but it's amazing I think it's a little bit of a masterpiece for the happy sad that opening line of tell me the truth boy am I losing you for good it draws you in straight away yeah you're just in the song oh what's she got to say Julia Jacqueline is next on your list, an incredible songwriter, and you've chosen Pressure to Party. Why this song? I think uh, it's it's actually not my favourite of Julia Jacqueline's songs, but I think it sums up what I wanted to say about her. Mm. Um, th- she's very deep and she's very thoughtful and she's she reminded me that, th- that really, really sort of thought out slow, li- not slow as in pace, but like it's taken her time to do these things and you live in a, or maybe she's just an instant genius. I don't know, but it sounds to me like when she writes something, it's taken time to experience it and articulate it in a way that resonates quite deeply with other people. And I think that pressure to party, maybe it's like, she's sort of the anti-heroine against like instant vacuous image of happiness, which you can see often, I guess, puts pressure on people to be happy and to be the party girl or to be a, become a social influencer or to be whatever, always present and always here and there and putting themselves out. And then, Whether it's, you know, an actual party or a metaphorical party, I think Julia Jacqueline kind of sums up that, like, maybe I'm just going to go and sit in my room and, like, write an awesome song and people will get it. And that's not something you can take for granted because it's not really all about awesome songs. It's like about being seen and heard and cutting through the noise and I think that's the pressure to party. So I saw her at a charity gig um, 
for I think it's Nordoff Robbins. They do like an art music therapy. Yeah, yeah. and they donate, and an artist paints a painting of a song, and then uh, they sell it, and it's great, and the money goes to music therapy. And yeah, I just saw it, and I was like, shit, made me cry, and it was nice. It was just really nice. So I think. Yeah, and there's a lot of songwriters, female songwriters like that these days. Courtney Barnett could have made it on this list just as easily, but I just wanted to put Julia on there because I was listening to it at the time. But, yeah, there's there's a lot of really deep songwriters and that kind of gives me um, hope. next song is Amel and the Sniffers, Cup of Destiny. Why did you choose this? Well, well, this was the first I heard of them, so that's why I chose it. But also, um, there's a relatable theme there, I think, with the Cup of Destiny and drinking. <laughs> and um, oh, okay. Firstly, I chose it because they just blew everyone away. I think when they emerged, and everyone was like, "Wow, we forgot we were missing this. Mm. This is great." It's called punk, by the way. It's this thing that used to exist, um, it, and it's fucking back. And it was really exciting. Um, but I actually met Amy before I heard them. I, a friend of mine was like, "You're gonna love this person. I'm putting her on the phone to you." And just put her on the phone to me. <laughs> and she started talking to me. And I was like, I do love this person. I love this person a lot. And she's just got that Australian, like, there's so many things I just relate to her on. Like, she grew up in a hippie town where there was only hardcore. And she went to the shows. And the guys were, like, you know, huge and, like, moshing and stuff. And I, I, all of that was, like, straight carbon copy from my childhood. Mm. But um, she reacted differently. And I like her for that. Like I went away and was like, I'm going to create a feminist band with the only other female I know who plays music and we're going to be weirdly sort of different to this. But she went like right into that aggression and that kind of rawness and I love that as well. I, I, I love that she just – it's a brilliant song, songwriting, poetry to like just really raw music. It's just – it's a magical combo. <laughs> The song is so fast and I think you can sometimes miss the lyrics but yeah. I was in the lead up to talking to you today I read through the lyrics and she's kind of ripping through this song but then it's also about throwing yourself at something full throttle for better or worse shit could go down but you know you're going to come out victorious at the end yeah it's sort of like that self-fulfilling prophecy just keep going yeah you're going to win at this yeah Almost and like a, you know, like you were talking about songwriting being therapy. This is almost like songwriting being a motivational talk for yourself. Yeah, and also like the the thrill and the danger of putting yourself out there and it, it maybe is going to go wrong and they might overcome you and you might fail and fall through the cracks and, and you have to do it anyway. And mm. she's just such a good – I just feel like when I see her, I see her – 
like in a Mad Max sort of environment, just trailblazing oh, yes. ahead. Oh, I'm the night rider. I'm the chosen one. The Monaghan, the Benjamin. <laughs> yes. Do you know what I mean? Like she's just trailblazing ahead there, and she's got the sort of harshness of the desert on her side. Do you know what I mean? And it's it's in her voice and it's in her whole being and it's nice to f- hear something so Australian and so classy and so poetic and so rough and just all of the things. We're talking about this last decade in music and the way that you've travelled through it in quite literally in music. Uh, does it feel like things have changed? Yeah. And a lot of the time, I've never actually said this, but people sometimes ask, is there more Jezebels and are you doing Jezebels? And now that I'm putting out a solo thing, they think that it's because I'm doing a solo thing that Jezebels isn't happening. But I think in a lot of ways, for me in my personal life arc, was that the Jezebels really was meant to be a feminist band and a lot of the things we wanted to change actually kind of did change. And so it's like I don't have the same anger. And I know that there's enough, like there's a million reasons why people should have that exact anger, particularly young people. And you, you grow up and you burst forth and you have anger and it's like that's right, that's the correct thing, you should change the world. But I don't possess it anymore. I feel different things and I've seen a lot of growth since starting that band. And, yeah, I sometimes think the reason the momentum slowed down with us is because we were just like, oh, that's nice. Like, it's very different and it's better and it's better for women and it's better for us. And I even go back to singing those songs and I just, I'm like, wow, this is, just doesn't make sense anymore sometimes mm. to me. And it doesn't, it doesn't mean that we won't do stuff, but if we do stuff, it'll be a new thing for mm. us all because the meaning of all that and feeling like women were misrepresented. I had an axe to grind and I had all these thoughts and themes that I wanted to go through. But, yeah, it's just changed a lot for me for the better. So that drive has, it's moved elsewhere. What a great thing to be able to see in in a real tangible yeah within work your of life and yeah. within yeah your lifetime and the lifetime of a band yeah and um you know it it also made me think a lot about how much women of the past or just people of the past uh, who have fought for progress um how quickly it's been ha- it's happening more and how long it used to take mm. and how again, talking about the past, how much it probably sucked for a lot of people. And it is really nice within the span of a short time to see exponential change. And even people I know, like actual people in their lives have changed their minds and their attitudes. Even this show that I'm playing for International Women's Day in my hometown of Byron Bay, which I always felt very alienated in because it was a lad culture town, is put on by a Fens, which was a lad culture brand. They're friends of mine who I went to high school with, so I know that they weren't bad guys. They're great guys, but they're 
brand was part of a culture that was very dude and sometimes alienating to people, particularly women, and they're changing and they're evolving and they're growing and that's why I wanted to do this show. So it's like, wow, that's like so neat and tidy, certain things. It's not, it's not the – that's not going to save the world or anything. I'm not saying that there isn't horrible things happening still, but – it is you can be overwhelmed by the horrible things and it's really good to see good stuff and not be crushed by the horrible stuff so yeah i couldn't have said it better than myself <laughs> it's really good to not be crushed by the horrible stuff <laughs> yeah cuz you can be you know yeah. with all the information and i don't want to sound like i'm being sugarcoating things cuz there's bad stuff and there's room for anger and if you've got it you'll go with it you know and you'll call out stuff and you'll identify the problems but i just yeah, sometimes you can't do it. Sometimes you have to play and have fun and and find solutions and focus on love and like not not identifying the problems in your life and the things that bring you down because they can they can take over, I think, if you let them. But that's a personal take on it. Get down. We're going to head to Brizzy for your final pick. Janet Planet, Sugar Bones, together they are confidence man. Why did you choose the amazing boyfriend, Repeat? I think it sums it up. <laughs> um, basically where I got to then, I, there's, yeah, there's a place for finding what's wrong with the world, but I think one of the solutions is having fun and playing and having confidence and, like, they just nail it in this song and... Grace is a great human being and I, I admire her very much. And so I just wanted to put it in because I think it caps off just just their name. It's Confidence Man. Mm. Like that's all it takes. And it's like, well, it's not. It's not all it takes. <laughs> there's, there's heaps of stuff and really bad things. But like sometimes it, it simplifies it to a point that I could actually go, yeah, sometimes I can put a song on like this and go, it's better. The world's a bit better. It's like a cup of tea. This song is like a cup of tea. Bad things can happen, but if you have a cup of tea afterwards, it is a little bit better. He's just a repeat of what I had before. He's just a repeat. It's a simple fact. Repeat of what I had before. He's just a repeat. Uh huh. Confidence Man, rounding out Hayley Mary's Take 5 and coming full circle in self-belief. This Take 5 happened in the lead-up to International Women's Day and next time on the podcast, you're going to get a special treat in your feeds. I always really love digging into the epic Take 5 archives, so for this occasion, I've gathered some of my favourite recent conversations with some incredible women. You'll hear Kimbra talking about Anoni, Jen Cloa on Camp Cope, and Casey Chambers fan out over Beyonce. These Frankenstein Take Fives are some of my faves, so I hope you love it too. Take Five! The Take Five with Zan Rowe. Every week, hear the people you love. Hi, I'm Joan Jett. Hey, this is Nana Cherry, and I'm Taking Five. Talk about the five songs they love. Five.
hear stories of discovery. And I heard this thing coming out of the speakers. I was like, oh my God, what is that noise? Wow. And the songs that changed how they saw the world. It just affected me deeply. I never knew rap could be that powerful. Join Zan Rowe and Take 5. Life 101 with Kimber and Zan. Pull up a chair. (laughs) Subscribe now.